Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Hey, City Church family, thank you for joining us online this morning, or if you're watching the rebroadcast, thanks for checking us out today. Well, we are completing our series today called That Sounds Better. And what we're talking about in this series, what we have been talking about is that we want our lives to sound like well-played music. Now, you know, we've been talking about music all the way through this series, and in each week, except last week, we've actually been doing a little bit of a representation of music and how powerful it is. You know, the more I actually think about this, it actually blows my mind, uh, just the whole idea of music and how it represents something to us. Um, that, hu- that music is a human universal, and it, it brings together this beautiful fusion of math and beauty and all these different things, and it gives a representation to us about what God is trying to get, us, get across to us in His Word. And so we actually have our whole worship team on the stage this morning that's going to help us out with a demonstration. And, uh, you, know, you know, in the other weeks, we've ha- we had Rebecca over here. She played some good music and then some not-so-good music on the piano to help us out. And then we had Dan and Luis. They helped us out with the same thing. And then we had some vocals a couple weeks ago. But now we're just going to bring it all together and just give you a display of music. And actually, what we're going to start out with today is some poorly played music. Now, I know it's very difficult, especially for all of the good musicians, which these people are all good musicians on the stage, but they're actually going to play something bad for you to understand what bad music is like. All right, so Dan, paint paint us up. So even if you didn't know how to read music or write music, you know that that's terrible. And what have we been talking about in this series? That's what the sound is in the world. It's all disconnected. There's a bad rhythm happening. There's bad melodies and harmonies going on. But what God wants us to do is to dive into his word, tune our lives to the word of God so that we can live the way that he would have us to live. So now they're going to do what they do best, and they're going to play, and they're going to sing some beautiful music together. All right. Go ahead, Dano. Thank you for because it was just terrible the first part. Thank you guys so much. Awesome. 
Let's give our worship team a hand. You know, they have done a great job in this season, uh, continue to do worship and everything. And so kudos to our worship and production team. Um, Also, at the end of this message today, we're actually going to receive communion together as a church family. So go ahead and run to the kitchen, grab some elements, some sort of bread and juice situation going on, and we will receive uh, communion together at the end. So, like I said uh, previously in this series, we could see all the way through the scripture that God would put the singers and the praisers out in front, and the whole book of Psalms is about music and how it connects with us, you know, in, our, in a soulical level that we can't even explain. And, you know, just the simple definition of the word music, it means the simultaneous combination of tones, especially when blended into chords pleasing to the ear. Now, the first presentation that our team did was not pleasing to to hear. And then the second part, when they played things well and they brought the different, was dance started out with the rhythm and then the instruments came in. Uh, We actually had a music producer work with us for a little while with our team. And he described it like this, when, when a band plays together in the proper places, that they're filling different sonic spaces. And that's the way we need to think about our lives, tuned to the Word of God. When we fill in the way God wants us to live, we're going to live a life that has a good melody and a good harmony, living according to the rhythm of God. So, so far in this series, we've talked about grace and truth, how they're seemingly two different uh, things, but they work really well together. We talked about godly leadership, that the way up is down. And then we talked about bringing three things together, week three, knowledge, faith, and action, blending these three notes together so that we can live a good song in our lives. And then last week, we talked about generosity and blessing that seem like opposing things, but God wants us uh, to blend these things together so that we can live successful in our lives. Melody is a sequence of single notes that is musically satisfying. Harmony is an agreement, a chord, harmonious relations, a consistent, orderly, or pleasing arrangements of parts that it just fits together and it makes sense. So when we hear music, then it, when it's working together, like we did in that second part of the demonstration, that's what happens when we take the word of God and we incorporate it into our lives and we live it out. It actually sounds like well-played music. Romans chapter 12, verse 16 says this, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So we're going to live harmoniously with one another, that we're going to make a choice to live a certain way. We're not going to attune our lives to the disconnection in the culture, but we're going to live harmoniously with the love of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14 tells us this. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So that's what we want to do. We want to tune our lives to the melody and harmony of the Word of God, not have a false balance like this verse says here in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. It says, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His Delight. So once again in our lives, we're not just playing one note over and over again. We're actually finding the balance, the melody and harmony, all of the things that God would want us to live out in our lives so that we can have this balance going on. So as we finish up um, this series today, uh, the, the title of this message is called God and the Nobodies. 
which kind of sounds like maybe a band from the 60s or something. They always, had, they always had and somebody in Gladys Knight and the Pips. They always had an and that they added. Um, and this, this message is called God and the Nobodies. Now, these two things actually don't go together because God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator of all things, and that he actually wants to have a relationship with us, and all of us are a bunch of nobodies. And this is something that we see over and over again in the scripture, that God calls out to us to have a relationship with us, even though we don't qualify in and of ourselves to have a relationship. But God and the nobodies coming together to accomplish his mission. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 says this, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human beings might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. So all of these different things here, that God is choosing something in us, that he's looking at us. Think about that for a second. That God is looking at you and I, and he's choosing us, even though though he knows us, even though he knows all of the mistakes that we made, that he knows our past, he knows all, all of our insufficiency, all of our struggle, all of the times in life when we've come up short, that God looks at all of us, and he chooses us. And the scripture said he's choosing the foolish things. So we fit in any of these categories. He's choosing the foolish things to shame the wise. He's choosing the weak to shame the strong. He's choosing the low and what is despised in the world. And you might think to yourself today, well, you know, I'm none of those things. I'm not a fool. And, you know, I'm kind of strong. You go to the gym. And I'm not low. I'm not a low person in society. But in one sense, this is what we need to embrace. As it relates to who God is, all of us are foolish. According to God's knowledge, we're foolish. And even if we're the strongest person in the gym, according to God's strength, we are weak. And we, as in comparison to God, we are a bunch of nobodies. But God is always choosing nobodies to make history. And we are the nobodies that God is choosing right now to make history in 2020, to pick up the mantle of his will and his mission and all that he would have us to do and be the nobodies to carry his name. This is something that we see over and over again in the scripture right from the very, very beginning that God is choosing the unlikely ones. You know, in the book of Genesis, we see this over and over again. You know, in that time, in that culture, they functioned according to primogenitor, which was basically the oldest child is the most important one in the family. The oldest child would get about two-thirds of the inheritance because they were going to have to take care of the whole family. And if there was any amount of kids after number one, they're all going to split that one, that remaining one-third. So that that first child, seemingly in the family, is the most important one. But we see this theme over and over again that God is choosing the second, the second child. Now, you know, I'm the second child um, in my family, and there might be a, month, a bunch of second children in the family. And, you know, the older child, the older brother and sister is always jealous of us um, because we get it easier from mom and dad. And now we're seeing in the scripture that God is choosing us. But the point of the story is that God is, we're all nobodies. We're all nobodies in comparison to God, that we are all the unlikely ones. So Cain and Abel, he chose Abel's offering, that he was the younger. Sarah, who was Abraham's 
wife, she was barren, and God chose her to have a baby. Joseph was the youngest of 12 sons, and God chose the youngest to be the leader of a nation. Jacob and Esau, that Jacob was a deceiver, that he was the second born, and then God chose him to become the leader of Israel and to change his name to Israel, that God chose Moses to speak for him, and Moses had a speech impediment. Moses had an insufficiency in his flesh. God chose Rahab the prostitute to save Israel or to, to save around when they were walking around the, the walls of Jericho, that, to, that she would be the spy, that she would be the one. And, and so God chose Rahab, an unlikely one, a prostitute, somebody who had uh, made some really rough choices in their life, that God still chose them. God chose David, who was the youngest of all of the children in his family. And right around that time, we see a, a famous thought that God, because they're, they're looking at all the older children, looking at all the older sons, and they're all strong, and they look like leaders. And the prophet said that he didn't, God doesn't look at people the way we look at people, that we're always judging people by the exterior, by the outside. But the scripture said that God looks at the heart. Jesus, our Savior, God sent him in humble beginnings. He had a humble birth in a small town to some nondescript but God-honoring parents. See, that God is always choosing these situations because he wants to do something big through a nobody. One of the famous nobodies in the Old Testament was a guy named Gideon. And all the way through the book of Judges, we see over and over again the children of Israel, they would, they would mess up, and, they would, and then God would save them, and, and they would serve God for a while, then they, they would make another mistake, and then God would save them again. And the same thing here, the situation uh, with Gideon, he finds himself in, in a situation where the Midianites have taken over Israel, and they're in a bad spot again. We can pick up the story here in Judges chapter 6, verse 11, and it says this. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under uh, the terebinth at, at Ophrah, which belongs to Joash the Abizrite, while the son Gideon was, Gideon was beating out wheat in the bride press to hide from the Midianites. So our first uh, view here of Gideon, that he was just kind of afraid. Verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Wait a minute. This is a scared guy, and he's hiding away, and then God shows up, and he says to him that he is a mighty man of valor. Verse 13, and Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us, bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Verse 14, the Lord turned and said to him, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. But he said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Now, the story continues. Gideon just wants to make sure that this is the voice of God. But this really interesting thought that who does Gideon say he is? Like, our, our, my group, my clan, Manasseh, is the weakest of all the groups. 
And then in my father's house, I, I am that as well. That God is choosing the nobodies in the world to do something amazing through. God and the nobodies. See, sometimes we can put ourselves down and we can make a bunch of excuses. And we could say, you know, maybe some things in my life haven't gone right and this has been a real big struggle. And we can maybe excuse ourselves. We can sort of opt out because we've made so many mistakes and so many things have gone wrong and so many things have gone wrong in 2020. And, we, you know, God, I'm just going to opt out for these next four weeks in 2020. And we'll just start fresh in 2021. You know, because just this has gone on and this has gone on and so many different things. But this is what God calls out to us and he lets us know and he reminds us, even if we feel like the weakest even if we feel like we've gone through so many things, even though we feel like God has forsaken us, even though he never has. God says, but I will be with you. And then Gideon showed, realized that he was receiving God's favor, and God shows us favor. We're going to look real quick here at four ways that God shows us favor from the scripture from the scripture god chooses you and i to be his children see god doesn't uh, value people based on a scale that man creates that god is making a choice about us we see this god choosing the lowly that he's choosing the weak that god is making a choice about us so he's wanting us to align our choice to the choice that he's making about us even though we can hardly fathom it, we can hardly understand when we think about who God is and then who we are, God still chooses us. God chooses to call us his children. Will we accept the identity that God gives us? He shows us his favor by calling us his children. Isaiah 30 verse 18 says this, yet the Lord, long, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up and show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. You might think, you know, I, I, I made so many mistakes this year and I've responded maybe a bunch of ways this year that maybe haven't been faith-filled and I, I've struggled with and, and I've struggled with this and I've struggled with this. And I kind of feel like the weakest. And, and why would God actually choose me? I love this verse. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. God and the nobodies. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. God, the savior of the world. God, who is a perfect being in all the ways. And us, who has made so many mistakes. We have so many struggles in our flesh. We, there's so many things that go wrong in our lives, but God longs to be gracious to you. The second way God shows us his favor is that our strength comes from him, and his strength is never-ending. See, there's a, a famous phrase that we use right now, and it's, it's self-esteem. And so I want to have esteem in myself, but the struggle is, Sometimes I don't. There's some re I, I make so many mistakes. I do so many things wrong. How can I actually have self-esteem? And what's better than self-esteem is God-esteem, that I get my strength from God, not in my performance. Psalm 28, verse 7 says this, the Lord is 
my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. See, self-esteem is going to fail, and I'm going to struggle, and I'm going to sound like Gideon sometimes. I'm the least, and I'm kind of a nobody. But God's strength never fails, and he shows us his favor by giving us his strength. The Lord is my strength. Another way God shows us his favor is that he never casts us aside. You know, with cancel culture nowadays, people are so ready just to write people off. I'm done with you. You've made this mistake and that mistake, and so we're just done with you. We're going to unfollow you. We're going to unfriend you, and we're going to try to make a big deal about how bad you are. But you know, God, who is the perfect judge, the righteous judge, never casts people aside, never writes us off. Isaiah 42, verse 3 says this, a bruised reed he will not break, and a, fan, a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. So you might think to yourself, you know, 2020 has just broken me. And my light is like a faintly burning candle. And we might look at our mistakes, and we might look at maybe our fervor for God or our faith in God, and it's dying out. God doesn't look at that situation. He doesn't look at us in that situation and see brokenness and then just cast us aside. He doesn't look at us and and maybe our our candle is slowly going out and he doesn't just go to us. He doesn't do that to us. He will faithfully bring forth justice, that he is the one that is there for us, that he's the one that looks at us when we are a nobody and we feel like a nobody. And he will be faithful to call us. He will be faithful to say something to us, the same thing like he said to Gideon, who just felt like a nobody. What would he say? He said, I'll be with you. The last way God shows us his favor is when God requires something of us, he actually provides what we need. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 says this, Therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. What is he going to do? He's going to make straight the path for our feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather it will be healed. So you might be listing off in your mind today, you know, so many of the ways that you feel lame, that you've come up short. What does God want to do? Just like we read a minute ago, God is not wanting to cast us aside God's not wanting to push us aside, but rather he wants us to be healed. And then it says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And you're kind of like, well, then I'm done because I'm not a holy person. I've made so many mistakes. I do so many things wrong. Certainly there's no way you could call me holy. If Jesus is holy, I'm not holy. But verse 15 says, see to it that no one fails to obtain 
the grace of God. See, what we need that without holiness, we're never going to see God. But the holiness that we have as individual Christ followers is the grace that God gives. We come up short. We are the weakest in our tribe. We are the nobodies. We fall short. We have no personal holiness to boast about. But the holiness required by God, he provides it by his grace. Just offers it to us. That's what favor is. It's, it's unmerited. I don't deserve it. But then God makes up the difference. See, I, I want to sing the song in my life of God's power, his ability, his plan. Connecting to my humility where I realize that I'm just counted among the nobodies. But because I'm one of the nobodies, God doesn't count me out. He counts me in because of his grace. He invites me in because of his grace. He invites me into his kingdom. He invites me into his mission. That we don't have to wait for 2021. That there's a moment right now that even though we feel broken, even though that we feel like our candle might be going out, God doesn't push us aside. That he brings his healing power. He brings his grace. He brings his mercy. And he helps us and he picks us back up. And even though we can make so many statements about how we fall short, because we do, but those statements are not the things that God chooses to say about us. He chooses to talk about his grace. He chooses to see us through what Jesus accomplished for us. See, God wants to put something on display in me and he wants to put something on display in you. We feel like a nobody. We feel like nobody sees us. We're hiding away in the wine press. God shows up. And he says to us, hey, you're a mighty man of valor. And we're kind of like, no, no, no. You got the wrong, got the wrong address, God. No, God calls all of the nobodies. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. We're going to read this section of scripture and then we're going to receive communion together. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And that includes ourselves. See, sometimes we are our own worst enemy. We've got, we've got the list of all of the ways that we've messed up and we've done wrong. But God is still for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not only with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? What is God's elect? God's chosen ones. God chooses you even though you've made a bunch of bad choices. God still chooses you. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Stop trying to condemn yourself because God wants to make you and has made you right with him in Christ and all we have to do is walk in that. It's choosing the narrative that God offers to us. Quit choosing the other narrative. 
Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Jesus is interceding for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, not in us. We are the weakest of the weak. We are the lowly. We are the foolish. But we are conquerors in him who loved us. See, even when you stop loving yourself, God still loves you. Even when you stop choosing yourself, you've opted out because you've made so many mistakes. God still chooses you. God and the nobodies. Verse 38, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing. Not my mistakes not the bad view that I have of myself, not all the stuff that I've done wrong in 2020. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That he always reminds us that he chooses the nobodies. And I am a nobody. But God still chooses me and God still chooses you to be in a relationship with himself to remind us that he loves us and he cares about us. Let's receive communion together today. Luke chapter 22, verse 19 says this. And he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. His body given for me. And so we're supposed to remind ourselves that Jesus makes up the difference for all of the nobodies, for all of the weak ones, for all of the ones that struggle, that we remind ourselves that Jesus is our Savior, that we aren't, that we are hopelessly lost without him. And these elements remind us that something was accomplished for us the weakest and the lowliest and the ones hiding away, the ones made too many mistakes, we're supposed to be reminded that that God has accomplished something for us through Christ. That Jesus' body was broken for us. The scripture tells us that by his stripes, we are healed. So two types of healing we want to talk about today. Physical healing, if you're feeling any physical pain or disease in your body, that Jesus' body was broken so ours could be healed. And the second part, Scripture says that, that God heals the brokenhearted. So if your emotions have been hammered this year, if somebody has done something to you this year, 
if you have done something to yourself this year and you just feel like you've run yourself or you've been through the emotional ringer, God is a healing God. We're supposed to remind ourselves of this. Let's just pray today. Father God, we just thank you that Jesus' body was broken for us. We remind ourselves that your healing power is available to us. We open ourselves wide to you, Father. We know that you are our healer. So from the top of our head to the soles of our feet, we thank you, Lord, for your healing power working in our bodies. Any pain, any disease, we know that your power is bigger than that pain. That your power is bigger than that disease. So we just receive your healing power today. And for those of us, Lord, this morning, who maybe feel emotionally broken today, we feel like we have a broken heart. God, we know that you are the only one that could heal us. So we just open ourselves wide to your love. That you love us even when we feel like we don't deserve it. That you love us when other people don't. When other people walk away from us, when other people hurt us, that you are the one who is constant. You are the one who is always there. So we just thank you for your love today. Let's eat together. Verse 20. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. A brand new covenant. Scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. See, and some, sometimes we could just recount our mistakes because they're so big and they're so prominent. But the shed blood of Jesus is supposed to remind us that without that, we have no righteousness, that we actually have no righteousness in ourselves anyway. That's the point of the story. That in Christ, we have a relationship with God. In Christ, we are invited in. So let's just pray. God, we thank you today for the shed blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that it washes away our past. And the offer of righteousness is there. And the only way we have righteousness with you, Lord, is that Jesus has provided it because of his shed blood. We thank you for that today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's drink together. Hey, if you are joining us this morning and you have never taken a first step in your relationship with God, the way that do that is by saying yes to Jesus. The gospel, the good news is all about Jesus, that he came, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross, God raised him from the dead, and that whole act is supposed to show us the love of God, God choosing the nobodies. And when God chooses us, it's wise for us to choose him back, to receive the offer of grace. To receive the offer of a relationship with God. And the only way we have a relationship with God is to receive that gift. We aren't perfectly moral agents. We all know that. We all sin in so many ways. 
So we can't offer our righteousness to God because we don't have any. We can't create some sort of religion and offer that to God and say, look, God, how religious I am. Will you accept me now? No, the only way to have a relationship with God is to receive the gift of a relationship with God, to receive his righteousness. So I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second. And if you have never taken a first step with God, you pray along with me as well. Just bow your head, close your eyes wherever you are. And pray this along with me. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. That he died on the cross. And you raised him from the dead. So that I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.